Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narautamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Toto Jaya Before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is our very means of conquest, one should offer respectful obeisances unto the personality of Godhead, Narayana, unto Narayana Rishi, the supermost human being, unto Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning, and unto Srila Vyasadeva, the author. Srimad Bhagavatam, 124. Venimitam Swakata Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtana, Hirdiananta Stohya Bhadrani, Vidhunati Shihirtsatam, Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramatma's super soul in everyone's heart, and a benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of the devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when properly heard and chanted. Shrema Bhagavatam 1217. Aishta Prayeshura Bhajashu, Netiam Bhagavata Sevaya, Bhagavati Uttamash Loke, Bhaktir Bhagavati Naishtaki. By regular attendance and classes on the Bhagavatam, and by rendering of service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed, and loving service unto the personality of Godhead whose praise with transcendental songs is established as an irrevocable fact. Shema Bhagavatam 1 to 18. Okay, so this is um, Shema Bhagavatam, uh, Canto 1, Chapter 9, Text 27, The Passing Way of Bhishmadev in the Presence of Lord Krishna. And uh, please excuse me, uh, somebody just asked me to give class, and I don't really feel I'm qualified, but I'm going to do it for the sake of worshiping the Shreema Bhagavatam. So uh, thank you everyone for your tolerance, and if I uh, uh, mispronounce something, please bear with me, or do anything wrong, <laughs> please bear with me. Here we go. Uh, Dana Dharmam Raja Dharmam. Moksha Dharmam Vigyasa Shrit Dharman Bhagavad Dharmam Samasya Vyasa Yogate Yogata Dana Dharman Raja Dharmam Moksha Dharmam Vibhakyasa Shriti Dharmam Bhagavad Dharmam Samasya Vyasa Yogata Dana Dharmam Raja Dharmam Moksha Dharmam Vibhagasya Sriti Dharmanam Bhagavad Dharman Samasya Vyasa Yogata Dana Dharman The Acts of Charity Raja Dharmam, pragmatic activities of the kings. Moksha Dharman, the acts for salvation. V 
vibhagasha by divisions. Sri Dharman, duties of women. Bhagavat Dharman, the acts of the devotees. Samasha, generally. Yasa, explicitly. Yogata, by means of. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. He then explained by divisions, acts of charities, the pragmatic activities of the king and activities for salvation. The pragmatic activities of a king and activities for salvation. He then, then he described the duties of women and devotees both briefly and extensively. Purport. To give charity is one of the householder's main functions, and he should be prepared to give in charity at least 50% of his hard-earned money. A brahmachari, or student, should perform sacrifices, a householder should give charity, and a person in the retired life or in the renounced order should practice penances and austerities. Those are the general functions of all the ashrams, or orders of life on the path of self-realization. In the brahmachari life, the training is sufficiently imparted so that one may understand that the world as property belongs to the Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead. No one, therefore, can claim to be the proprietor of anything in this world. Therefore, in the life of a householder, which is a sort of license for sex enjoyment, one must give in charity for the service of the Lord. Everyone's energy is generated or borrowed from the reservoir of energy of the Lord. Therefore, the resultant actions of such energy must be given to the Lord in the shape of transcendental loving service for Him. As the rivers draw water from the sea through the clouds and again go down to the sea, similarly, our energy is borrowed from the Supreme Source, the Lord's energy, and it must return to the Lord. That is the perfection of our energy. The Lord, therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita 9.27, says that whatever we do, whatever we undergo as penance, whatever we sacrifice, whatever we eat, or whatever we give in charity, must must be offered to Him, the Lord. That is the way of utilizing our borrowed energy. When our energy is utilized in that way, our energy is purified from the contamination of material inebriates. And thus we become fit for our original natural life of service to the Lord. Raj, Raja Dharma is a great science. Unlike, unlike modern diplomacy for political supremacy, the kings were trained systematically to become munificent and not merely be tax collectors. They were trained to perform different sacrifices only for the prosperity of the subjects, to lead the prajas to the attainment of salvation was a great duty of the king. The father 
the spiritual master and the king, are not to become irresponsible in the matter of leading their subjects to the path of ultimate liberation from birth, death, diseases, and old age. When these primary duties are properly discharged, there is no need of government of the people by the people. In modern days, the people in general occupy the administration by the strength of manipulated votes. But they are never trained in the primary duties of the king. And that is also not possible for everyone. Under the circumstances, the untrained administrators play havoc to make the subjects happy in all respects. On the other hand, these untrained administrators gradually become rogues and thieves and increase the taxation to finance a top-heavy administration that is useless for all purposes. Actually, the qualified Brahmins are meant to give direction to the kings for proper administration in terms of the scriptures like the Manu Samhita and Dharma Shastras of Parasara. A typical king is the ideal of the people in general. And if the king is pious, religious, chivalrous, and munificent, the citizens generally follow him. Such a king is not a lazy, sensuous person living at the cost of the subjects, but alert always to kill thieves and dacoits. The pious kings were not merciful to dacoits and thieves in the name of nonsensical ahimsa, nonviolence. The thieves and dacoits were punished in an exemplary way so that in the future no one would dare commit such nuances in an organized form. Such thieves and dacoits were never meant for administration as they are now. The taxation law was simple. There was no force, no encroachment. The king had a right to take one-fourth of the production made by the subject. The king had a right to claim a fourth of one's allotted wealth. One would never grudge parting with it because due to the pious king and religious harmony, there was enough natural wealth, namely grains, fruits, flowers, silk, cotton, milk, jewels, minerals, etc. And therefore, no one was materially unhappy. The citizens were rich in agriculture and animal husbandry, and therefore, they had enough grains, fruits, and milk without any artificial needs of soaps and toilets, cinemas, and bars. (laughs) The king had to see that the reserved energy of humanity was properly utilized. Human energy is meant not exactly for fulfilling animal propensities, but for self-realization. The whole government was specifically designed to fulfill this particular purpose. As such, the king had to select properly the cabinet ministers, but not on the strength of the voting background. The ministers, military commanders, and even the ordinary soldiers were all selected by personal qualification 
and the king had to supervise them properly before they were appointed to their respective posts. The king was especially vigilant to see that the tabasvis, or person who sacrificed everything for disseminating spiritual knowledge, were never disregarded. And this is in italics, in italics. The king knew well that the supreme personality of Godhead never tolerates any insult to his unalloyed devotees. Such tapasvis were trusted leaders even though, even of the rogues and thieves who would never disobey the orders of tapasvis. The king would give special protection to illiterates, the helpless, and the widows of the state. Defense measures were arranged previous to any attack by the enemies. The taxing process was easy and it was not meant for squandering but was for strengthening the reserve fund. The soldiers were recruited recruited from all parts of the world and they were trained for special duties. As far as salvation is concerned, one has to conquer the principles of lust, anger, unlawful desires, avarice, and bewilderment. To get freedom from anger, one should learn how to forgive. To be free from unlawful desires, one should not make plans. By by spiritual culture, one is able to conquer sleep. By tolerance, one can conquer desires and adverence. Disturbances from various diseases can be avoided by regulated diets. By self-control, one can be free from false hopes, and money can be saved by avoiding undesirable association. By practice of yoga, one can control hunger, and worldliness can be avoided by cultivating the knowledge of impermanence. Dizziness can be conquered by rising up, and false arguments can be conquered by factual ascertainment. Talkativeness can be avoided by gravity and silence. And by prowess, one can avoid fearlessness, fearfulness, fearfulness. Perfect knowledge can be attained by self-cultivation. One must be free from lust, avarice, anger, dreaming, etc., to actually attain the path of salvation. As far as the women class are concerned, they are accepted as a power of inspiration for men. As such, women are more powerful than men. Mighty Julius Caesar was controlled by a Cleopatra. Such powerful women are controlled by shyness. Therefore, Shyness is important for women. Once this control control valve is loosened, women can create havoc in society by adultery. Adultery means production of unwanted children known as Varna Shankara, who disturb the world. The last item taught by Bhishma Dev was the process of pleasing the Lord. We are eternal servants of the Lord, And when we forget this essential part of our nature, we are put into material conditions of life. 
the simple process of pleasing the Lord, for the householders especially, is to install the deity of the Lord at home. By concentrating on the deity, one may progressively go on with the daily routine work. Worshiping the deity at home, serving the devotee, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, residing in a holy place, and chanting the holy name of the Lord are all inexpensive items by which one can please the Lord. Thus the subject matter was explained by the grand by the grandfather to his grandchildren. So, um, so uh, this is a very good. Uh, this, this, this is a very good um, purport for today, because today is a codicy. <laughs> Let's see here. This is another a codicy, and so uh, somebody recently told me. You know, somebody had asked, why do we fast for Ekadasi? And, um, and I, I was actually asking about the, um, the, the, the way of, of fasting. Of course, there's different types of fasting. One can fast completely near a jaw, no water. One can do water only, and then one can do no grains and beans. Um, and so my question was about the uh, near jaw ekadasi because um, I was I was saying oh what happens if you uh, happen to like you know say brush your teeth or or you know you know, you forget and you have a little piece of a banana or something and then the, and then the person said no uh, if you it depends on what motivation you are using to uh, fast if your motivation is to get rid of karma. Then yeah, if you have that little piece of a banana, then it's going to ruin everything. But if your motivation is to please Krishna, then um, Krishna will understand that you are doing this for Him. Because actually, what like like how can Krishna be pleased if uh, we're not offering Him anything? Oh, you know, it's like it's like saying, Oh, Krishna, you know, I, I love you so much. So because I love you so much, I'm not going to eat anything, right? <laughs> It's like it doesn't make sense because normally we offer things to Krishna. Normally we offer him the the uh, the, the boga and he accepts it, and then we honor that prasad. But um, if there is if there is you know like nothing to be had on the day of the fast, then um, we have to be sure to offer Krishna our intention, right? That's what he's that's what he told me. That's what I heard. We offer the intention of this fasting to Krishna, and that becomes the positive, right? That, because at first we are taking so many things away, but taking something away, restricting ourselves from something, is not really an offering. So we have to be sure to look inside of our hearts and have the positive intention of offering to Krishna. And in that way, we can, we can tell to Krishna, I am fasting today because I'm doing this for you. 
And what does that mean when I'm doing this for you? It means that, like, let me think all day of you. I can, I can chant more rounds for you. I can read more Srimad Bhagavatam. I can read Krishna book and read your stories. I can just make sure that everything that I do, like it says here in Bhagavad Gita 9.27, that whatever we do, whatever we undergo as penance, whatever we sacrifice, and whatever we eat, or whatever we give in charity, must be offered to Him, the Lord, to you, Krishna. So, um, and so this, this makes sense, that this is, this can become the positive, uh, motivation for fasting. And also there are, um, some physical benefits as well, because, um, as everybody knows, uh, when, uh, or as, as I am finding out, <laughs> is that when, when I eat too much, um, right, then, then it, like, environs my senses, right, like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, even if it's prasadam, you know, it's like, I'm just, I'm loving this, and I'm eating so much, right, then, um, then I notice that I, beca- I can become very agitated, um, and I've also noticed that when, um, that when I'm, that I, when I eat less, or when I try to eat, you know, just the right amount, then I'm not so agitated, right, <laughs> So um, this is important because because um, today is a day to concentrate on the Lord, and um, and I've always wondered about that. You know, I've always wondered what does that mean? You know, like it says in Bhagavad Gita, when we uh, it says you know don't eat too much or don't eat too little, don't sleep too much and don't sleep too little, and um, and so I I was like I was always curious about that. So I've been trying to experiment with like eating less and. Um, but if somebody finally told me the answer uh, yesterday, actually, which was good timing, um, there was, you know, because I had the question of how do we know how much to eat is the right amount? And they said, yeah, so it's the size of our stomach. So they said, if you know, no matter how big you are, how tall you are, if you take your palms and then hold them together, then that is the, and the, whatever food can fit in that palm, then that's the amount of food that we should be eating for a meal. And actually, they went even further beyond that to say that, um, that due to di- digestion, that, uh, that our stomach should actually be filled with one third water, with one third food, and with one third air. And that even the air at the end of the meal, are just by breathing. You don't have to take anything extra. That's important because uh, that is igniting and helping to ignite the fire of digestion. And so, um, it's like uh, if we can eat in this way, then we can, like you know, then we can practice this controlling our senses because our senses are not so like uh, agitated. Like if we have like a million, or if, you know, I can speak personally, like if I have a million sweets all day, <laughs> you know, like, like I love the sweets, you know, <laughs> but, um, but so, and then, and then, so I also asked, well, what is, you know, because of the different levels of fasting, right? I said, well, how do we know what level of fasting that we should be doing, right? Should we be doing, should we be doing near gel, water only, you know, fruit and milk, no grains, no beans. And, and so, 
he said that yeah, this is all according to the body type that we have, and um, but you know, just like uh, there's a measurement, right? So, and I guess the measurement is um, is I mean, it sounded good to me. Is that like it's like we should fast according to the level of service that we can do, right? So if if we can fast. And doing that fast is actually helping us remember Krishna and actually uh, helping us in our service to Krishna. Then that's our proper level. But if uh, they said that if we if if our service is is interrupted, then maybe we should consider doing an, an easier fast. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe everyone could double check with that with what Srila Prabhupada says. Um, but uh, I thought that was very interesting. And then another thing that uh, that I heard was um, was that we have to be careful not to eat uh, prashad uh, that is too spicy, because this this prashad that is too spicy is also very agitating. Um, prashad that is too spicy with too many chilies. Uh, I believe tamarind is another one. Uh, and the nectar instruction, and um, and I forget what the other spices were mentioned, but uh, but so that's about like the spicy food and the different types of fasting, and then again, um, also I heard from a Prabhupada disciple whose name I cannot remember right now, so sorry, but uh, but he said to eat like a king in the morning. Eat like a prince in the afternoon and eat like a pauper at night. Like a pauper, like a poor person, you know? And in this way, um, every day can kind of become a fasting, right? Because, because what he said was that it takes six hours to digest grains. Six hours. And so it really, it makes everything kind of like put into this like kind of system of clockwork like okay how can i do this how can i you know eat in the day that i have to eat to perform my duties right and um and so we have to go to sleep at a good time if we want to wake up early so we have to kind of like um by his advice we have to calculate what is 6 hours before i go to sleep which of course this is kind of like null and void for today because it's a codice, so we're not going to be taking uh, grains and beans. But um, but generally, uh, I guess if, if we go to sleep at 9, then that really means that the last grains that we should have should be at 3 o'clock. So uh, that's kind of like uh, something I learned, and it's actually been helping me to uh, wake up early. Um, there is another thing that I saw in here. In this purport, let me just check it out really quick. Docketiveness can be avoided by gravity and silence. Yeah, that reminded me of when Srila Prabhupada is saying that we're all like frogs. And then as soon as we get together, we were like, ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. And it's just inviting the 
whatever to come kill us. <laughs> and I know that I could definitely, I could use some uh, con- controlling of my talkativeness, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, it was talking about the birth, death, old age, and disease. And basically that this austerity of speech, this austerity, austerity of diet, and any austerity that we do, right? And we should offer that as a sacrifice to the Lord. Like, why? Like, what's the purpose? Well, the purpose is that we are trying to do whatever we can to basically go back to serving Krishna. And so, if we can remember that, then I think that we can be satisfied um, in our service and in our fasting. And then... um what else did it say? Such powerful women are controlled by shyness. I actually, and so shyness is important for women. I would say that actually, because women are doing so much, you know, they're, um, they're, you know, taking care of the kids, they're serving their husbands, they're, you know, they're, they're giving people like emotional support. There's so many things, right? But it's not, it's not that, uh, that they're just talking to anybody. It's that they actually are are controlling their husbands by shyness. So I thought that was really important because um, they're doing so much and yet they're so powerful. And how are they powerful? Because they're shy and then their husbands are uh, supported. Um, and then uh, it says, oh yeah, Nam Dam Didi Devotee Bhagavatam. Nam Dam Didi Devotee Bhagavatam. Worshipping a deity at home, serving the devotee, hearing the Srima Bhagavatam, residing in a holy place, and chanting the holy name of the Lord are all inexpensive items by which one can please the Lord. So if anyone can do Nam Dam Deity Devotee Bhagavatam on a daily basis, surely, surely Prabhupada will be pleased and that will be very good for their devotional life. I'm going to stop here. Um, and I hope everyone has a wonderful ecodicy and that we can all remember to do our fasting so that we can control our senses in order to please Krishna. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.